It's a unique characteristic of the human race that we can speak, that we can talk, that we can make words. I know that animals have ways of communicating with each other through signs and signals and other little things that they do, but it's a unique characteristic of the human race that we can speak. And the reason that we can speak is because we are made in the image of God. We're crafted by God, this series title of which we're in at the moment. And God speaks. God speaks. We speak. God speaks. God, just as a reminder, spoke the world into creation, didn't he? He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be lots of other things as well, and there were lots of other things as well. And once God had created his creation, he then spoke about his creation. He said that it's very good. This is good, and that's good, and the other's good. And we as humankind are very good. And when we look at creation, that's what we see. We see the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of God. We can agree with God that it's very good. He then spoke to people that he created in his creation, starting with Adam and Eve and then working through the generations, to give people a framework for living, at peace with God, at peace with one another. So he spoke words of counsel, guidelines for living, a framework for living, to say, look, live like this, things will go well with you, you'll be at peace with me and at peace with people. Don't live like this, and it will all go a bit pear-shaped. Then he started speaking promises of trouble if you don't live like that. He said, look, if you don't live with me at the centre, and if you live with yourself at the centre, you're going to be not at peace with me and not at peace with other people. So why don't you do it my way rather than your way? And people being people largely didn't listen to God, unfortunately. And so then he started speaking about the promise of a rescue plan. A rescue plan to restore everything that was going wrong through people living lives their own way without God at the centre. Creating mess generally with people, with God and with creation. He started speaking of a rescue plan where he was going to come and restore it all back to normal again. He then spoke, of course, through the arrival of his son Jesus. He spoke hope into the world that Jesus was going to bring that restoration through his death and resurrection on the cross. And surprise, surprise, like father, like son, God spoke through Jesus when he was here. Jesus the Son spoke some of the most amazing teaching, the most memorable teaching, incredible head-turning, life-shaping teaching that we've ever heard come out of the mouth of a human being. Jesus spoke things like this. He said he's the way, the truth, and the life. He said he is the light of the world. He said he's the bread of life. He said he's the resurrection and the life. Jesus spoke life into all sorts of different situations. He spoke peace into all sorts of conflicts. He spoke love and love action into all different areas of life. And then Jesus started speaking about death as well. The sort of thing that we don't like speaking about, if we're honest, and yet Jesus did speak about death, particularly and specifically his death. His death on the cross. But he also said that he would die and then three days ago to rise again from the dead. And after his ascension into heaven, he spoke about sending the spirit of truth that would come and inspire those of us that wanted to live with Jesus at the center in order to live lives with peace with God and peace with one another. God speaks. God speaks. We're made in the image of God. We speak. We don't bark. We don't bar. We don't moo. We don't meow. We speak. We speak. 
did some internet research this week. I know internet research is questionable most of the time, so forgive me if the stats are wrong, but I discovered through my investigations that for uh, someone, uh, a male who doesn't speak all that much, so a quiet man, if you will, a little bit like myself, perhaps, somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 words on average a day. If you're a man that can't stop talking, you reach the heady heights of around 7,000 words a day. Females, on the other hand, if you, someone doesn't say an awful lot, you're already at 10,000 words a day. And if you're somebody who likes talking, apparently 20,000 words a day. There's a message in there. We haven't got time to talk about that. All I would say is us guys sometimes need to work harder at communicating better. I'll include myself in that. But whether you're a low end, a quiet man speaking 2,000 words, or the high end, a talkative lady who loves speaking at 20,000 words a day, the main fact of the matter is that we can speak. We uniquely, as humankind, can speak, and it's a gift from God. Now, the Bible is also the word of God. It's the written, the written word of God to us, isn't it? And it's therefore no surprise that in the Bible, there are some things about how we should speak that God has put in, the, put in there for us to benefit from. And it's to our great benefit that this, the series we're in at the moment, Ephesians, under the series title Crafted, has some of the most challenging and provoking verses in it about speech that you're ever going to come across. And uh, we're going to look at those verses today. And as I've looked at them over the last couple of weeks or so, I have to say to you, I've been immensely challenged by them. Not to the point where I'm living in doom and gloom and condemnation, although there is an element of working some of the kind of that stuff through, but because the verses are so hard-hitting that when you start analysing yourself against them, you think, man, how am I measuring up? I want to provoke us right at the beginning of this message with this, that it's almost impossible not to be challenged by, if not my bringing of this truth today, which is probably not up to scratch, because who am I in order to share this, the, these words in a good way, if only by the verses themselves. If only the verses themselves you take away from today, read and read again and dwell on, I challenge you not to be challenged by them as believers and followers of Jesus. And that, as is the last point of introduction, these words from the Bible are to believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus, people who have put Jesus at the centre of their lives. If you're here today and you aren't putting Jesus at the centre of your life, you can chill out. You don't have to receive anything that I'm about to say about our words. What you can do is look in and think, I wonder what it's like to be a follower of Jesus, because I apparently have to speak like this if I do. But for the rest of us, we're almost going to get to a point where if our words don't measure up to how we're supposed to speak according to these verses, we might end up thinking, man, am, am I really a follower of Jesus at all? Because I say I'm a follower, but I don't necessarily speak like this. So we need to be careful that we don't get ourselves down on a line of condemnation, which I'll come to in a minute. Let's get to the verses then. It's Ephesians 4. This is on the backdrop of putting off the old self, putting on the new self, which we've had a couple of weeks on already in Oasis. I'm taking three verses from Ephesians 4, chopping another one in, verse 29, going to chapter 5 to slip one in, because it's kind of pithy and works quite well, and then going back to Ephesians 4. So I'm chopping it around a little bit to make the point even harder, but let's read the Bible together, see what we think of this. Ephesians 4, starting verse 22. It says this, You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness 
and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Ephesians 5 verse 4. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are all out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I want to get into the meat of what I'm going to bring today by starting with the headlines. I've got six headlines from those verses. They're crafted words, if you will, for, to help us remember something of what God is teaching us about how we should speak. And uh, let's start with them. Let's just go through the headlines, a little couple of lines about each one of them, and then we'll dive back into them uh, in slightly more depth, or four of them, in a moment. So the first is this, truth, not lies. Truth, not lies. Each one of us, every one of us, all of us must put off falsehood. That word means lies. And speak truthfully. In other words, if you are a follower of Jesus, it is always, 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 always the truth. Nothing but the truth. Our speech should be rich in nothing other than truth. Is that how you speak? Is that how I speak? Second, truth with each other. Not just truth per se, which God wants to come out of our mouths, but truth with our neighbour. That means communicating with people truth. And that's okay when the, the, the truth that we're communicating with them is good, but sometimes we talk things about people that is truth but isn't very nice. God is saying truth with our neighbour, to our neighbour. We'll come back to that. Thirdly, kill corruption. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths unwholesome means corrupt and decaying nothing coming out of our mouths that's destructive that's malicious that's cruel that's negative none of that stuff please says god number four insightful encouragement we should only ever speak whatever builds people up that's right for the occasion we need to be sensitive to what we say, when we say it, how we say it, who we say it to. Number five, positive and pure, not foul and foolish. Obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking are at odds with being a follower of Jesus. They're out of place with being a follower of Jesus. They don't fit a follower of Jesus. So we need to knock all of that stuff out and we need to speak positively, carefully, kindly and with purity when we say that we're a follower of Jesus. And number six, a headline to it, to it all is breaking God's laws versus breaking God's heart. So we're hearing specifically about how we should speak today and there's going to be some clear guidelines about how we're supposed to do that. If we mess up, we don't, it's not a question of falling and breaking God's law and just think oh, there's another rule that I've missed we should be uh, treating it as a sense of saying look I, I really want to speak how you want me to speak God because I don't want your heart to be broken out over the sorts of things that come out of my mouth 
So those are the headlines. And as I've gone through this and as I've crafted these headlines and as I've prayed about this, I've got to a point of thinking, oh my goodness me, fail. 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 And I've been in danger of imploding into I better not say anything because actually I'm not sure that my speech quite comes up to scratch when it's measured against these kind of headlines. Now, don't get me wrong. On a positive note, I don't think I'm a coarse joker. I don't think I'm an obscene speaker. I don't kind of, I'm not a right at the far end of nasty talk, whatever you might define nasty talk to be. I know what I mean it to be. So I'm not like that. But I do know that sometimes I say things completely out of context, in the wrong situation. I'm a bit flippant. I, sometimes I don't think. I say things that I think are funny and aren't funny, that kind of thing. And, and it is true that occasionally I speak lies in order to cover myself. And occasionally I talk about other people when they're not in the room in a negative fashion. Just being honest with you. So I've had to kind of get before God this week and, and try and, and help myself turn that around a little bit. And um, Jenny and Janie and Izzy, who are living in my home at the moment, all part of the family, will know that over these last couple of weeks I've been really encouraging us in the home to speak something like this rather than to speak all the negative stuff. It's become a bit of a joke almost. But there's a danger that when we look at this, we can spiral downwards. You might even be sitting in your seat right now thinking... Gus, I actually don't want this preach to carry on, apart from the fact that you know, it's me speaking again, I think Gus, out of here. But you might be thinking, I don't want this speech to carry on because there's, always, there's already something in you that's kind of bringing a sense of unease. That you know that your speech doesn't quite live up to godly standards. And you're thinking, the shorter this is, the better I will feel and the less convicted I will be. And if that's the case for you, I'd just say, hang in there with you, hang in there with us. It's not wrong to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. We sang, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. It's God's work to change how we are. It's not my work, it's God's work. But if we're going to sing that song, let's sing it and be honest about singing it. For Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, melt me, mould me, fill me, use me. And we're about speech today, so however you want me to, do, to be in order to get my speech changed, I'm going to do it. That's how we need to be. But there isn't any condemnation. And the reason we know that is because in these verses, there is a healthy dose of our favorite word in Oasis, which is grace. A healthy dose of grace. Verse 29 in the English Standard Version. Let no corrupting talk, there's that word corrupting, unwholesome, come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion. We're going to come to the detail of this again in a minute. That it may give grace to those who hear. Our speech should give grace to those who hear. And it's an instruction from God because, good news, God has already given grace to us through his word. Who? Jesus. Jesus is the word of life. We mess up. There is grace. There's always grace through Jesus. So even if we're speaking stuff that is unwholesome or destructive or decaying or coarse or obscene or whatever it is, and we bring any sense of conviction this morning that God is saying, no, don't speak like that. Don't drive down into a, a, a pool of self-pity and think, I am doomed. Think, all right, I'm going to bring it to God. God, in his grace and mercy, forgives me, fills me with his Holy Spirit and causes me to go forward in the strength and the power of his Spirit to live lives worthy of the calling we received, putting off the old self and putting on the new self. That's how God wants us to approach these verses with a healthy, healthy sorry, dosage of grace. So let's dive back into the top four of those headlines, if I may. 
and see what God has got to say to us about them. The first is truth, not lies. Truth, not lies. Back to it. Each one of us, everyone, must put off falsehood, which is lies in the original Greek, and speak truthfully. Always, 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 always truth. We must speak truth. No lies, please. Verse from Titus says this. Paul He's doing an introduction. A servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. God, just for the record, does not lie. He always speaks the truth, which is good because it means we can trust what he says. So God the Father, according to that verse, does not lie. I've already told you about John fourteen six. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No surprise that if the Father is truth, the Son is truth as well. And what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit in John uh, 16, verse 13? He said this, that when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So just to make the point, God the Father is truth, God the Son is truth, and God the Holy Spirit is truth. We are made in the image of God, and therefore, we should speak the truth. It, what, it is what God wants for us to always speak the truth. Not twisted truth. Not half lies, not exaggerated truth in, in the main, but pure and simple truth. It's just what mark us as believers and followers of Jesus, that people know that we always speak the truth. That's the first headline. Second, truth with each other. And this point I'll come back to in terms of how we do this in a little bit. But the point here is I've alluded to already, and the thrust of what Paul is writing here is that when we speak truth, about people sometimes it can be positive and uplifting so you're talking about your friend to your friend your friend's not in the room and you're just saying loads of nice stuff about them nothing wrong with that that's great of course speaking truth about somebody affirms somebody even though they're not there but what about when we're speaking truth about people when it is true but it's not nice gossip if you will someone's character defects their inability to do something the disappointment they've caused you all that kind of stuff what do we do then Paul writes here, God wants us to speak with our neighbour about it. Our neighbour in the original Greek just means anybody who's near. Whoever it is, whoever is near, we speak truth with them. We'll come back to how we do that, as I say, in a few moments, particularly if it's difficult stuff, disappointment, frustration, character assassination, whatever we want to call it. But it's with our neighbour, not just about them when they're not there. I want to ask us a question. If, if, if you know that you've wronged someone in the room, or someone's holding a grudge against you, or there's some disappointment or frustration, misunderstanding, something's happened and there's discord between you and them, wouldn't you, as a priority, want them to come and speak to you about it first, rather than it go all around the houses before it has any chance of it coming back around to you? I know if it's me, I'd want, I'd, I'd want that to be the case. I'd want to know that if you had any grudge against me, you'd come to me. And vice versa. Surely, if you know that you're holding a grudge against me, you want to come to me rather than tell all your friends first. I'm sure all of us would prefer it to be that way. And if that's the case, let's live like that. Let's make it a priority to talk each one to each other. It's truth with each other. So that's the second one, truth with each other. Thirdly... Killing corruption. Again, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Nothing destructive, nothing cruel, nothing malicious. That corrupting word, that decaying word, speaks of mould and yuckiness and nastiness. The sorts of things that turns our nose up. 
don't know about you, but I don't like mould. You know, mouldy bread turns my stomach. Mouldy cheese turns my stomach. Mouldy eggs ugh, turns my stomach. I remember when I was working in the IT industry, had a small team. One guy made me a cup of tea one time. Friendly guy, nice guy, did lots of things well. A few things not so well, to be honest. He's not here, so I'm going against what I'm already saying. But he made me a cup of tea. I got down to be able to see the bottom of the mug, and at the bottom of the mug, my stomach nearly turned, and I nearly threw the whole cup of tea up when there was a nice, healthy, crusty, bubbling, mouldy, browny, purpley yuck. That was, it was just vile. Now, this guy, had, he wasn't like that. There was no venom in him at all. He made a genuine mistake, but it turned my stomach. Mould at the bottom of a cup. I don't know what you like when you go shopping for fruit. I'm a bit of a nerd. I mean, just ask Izzy, my daughter. When I go to Sainsbury's, and bear in mind I used to be um, a student working at Sainsbury's in my former glory, and uh, so I know about food rotation. So when you go to Sainsbury's, and for example, you, you get the broccoli counter, brown trays of broccoli, top tray has always got the older broccoli on the top. And underneath is where all the fresh stuff is. And that's generally how the shops do it. They rotate it so that the stuff that's been in the shop longer is on the top and the stuff that's fresher is on the bottom. So I'm a bit of a nerd. I always lift the thing and take the stuff from underneath in order to have longevity in my fruit and vegetable. You don't have to do that. That's what I do. But more than that, what about when we're choosing the actual fruit itself? What do we do? Apple. Take apple out of apple tray. Look at apple, don't we? We look at the apple. We turn the apple round to see whether it's got any bruising on the apple. We kind of check to see how smooth the skin is because a little bit wrinkly... And it's probably a little bit out of date. We smell it, perhaps. We hold it up to the light and think, decent apple, fresh apple, or dodgy apple. And then after a few hours, we put the apple in our basket. And then we move on to the avocados. And we go to the avocado section. And we look at the avocado, and there's some darker than others. And some are firm, and some are soft. We get the one that's nice and firm, not too slushy. Then we go to the peppers. We like a crisp pepper, don't we? Crisp pepper. Take the pepper out of the pepper tray. Stick our finger in it. If it goes through, oh dear, gooey, mucky, not very nice. But if it bounces off with a sense of, oh, that's nice, goes in the basket. Raspberries? A bit harder. Pick the little raspberry punnet or the strawberry punnet or whatever it is. You look at it, you shake them around a bit. You know the ones on the top look all right, but what about the ones underneath? Where the mould is lurking. Because that's, that's what we're trying to see. Is there any mould in there? And you're just shaking it around. Little droplets of raspberry fall in your eye. But you don't mind because you're trying to stop the mould getting home. And how disappointing it is when you get a punnet of strawberries or a punnet of raspberries and you open them up when you get hold and the whole bottom layer is all white and musty and mushy. Well, that's my world anyway. <laughs> That's me in the supermarket. The thing that challenges me is that I'm amazed at the amount of inspection I can give an apple or a banana or a punnet of raspberries, and I'm not even that big on fruit, and how little inspection I can give the words that come out of my mouth. They just come out. I'm so easy with them, and out they come. We need to hold ourselves. No corrupt talk. No decaying talk. No unwholesome talk. Check it. Hold it. Inspect it. And then let it go. So no lies. Always speak the truth. Always speak the truth with your neighbour, whatever it looks like. And don't let any corrupting talk come out of your mouth. The question is, how do we do it then? 
And here's a little bit more of the how-to. Number four, with insightful encouragement. Insightful encouragement. Back to the uh, English Standard Version of this verse, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Only that which is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Two things. Two things here. First is that it's okay to withhold truth sometimes. So if you're speaking to somebody about something in whatever context it is and the truth is going to hurt, here's permission not to speak the truth. That is not lying, by the way. That is just withholding the truth. So it's okay not to speak the truth sometimes if it isn't going to build somebody or some people or that situation up. Even negative speaking about a situation can bring deadness to people, particularly if it's a situation that they're feeling quite positive about. So you need to be careful. Second thing is, how do we approach that thing I mentioned earlier about talking to each other about stuff that's difficult if we want to speak truth and we're not too sure about it? Because surely any type of confrontation is a harming or negative or damaging or hard thing. Well, it can be, but if heart is at the core and encouragement is at the core and grace is at the core, it's okay. It's okay. It says in Proverbs 12, verse 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. If love is at the core and encouragement is to the fore, we can do this. We can talk to each other with love and with grace. It says in 1 Peter that God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. So if you are brave enough to go and talk to a fellow brother or sister in the Lord, to use that lovely Christian expression, about something that is difficult, if somebody's brave enough to do that, if you're the receiver, start with humility. Don't start with a front. God loves humility. If you're somebody who's bringing whatever the problem is to the person who's about to receive it, start with humility. Start with gentleness. Start with a willingness to say, look, I'm not sure I should say this. I don't even want to say it. It is something that's troubled me. Can we work this out together? Let me explain. I'll give you an opportunity to feedback. You can tell me how you feel. My goal in this is for us to remain friends and be reconciled and make things work out together. If we don't do that kind of thing as a family of believers, and remember this teaching is to believers, then all of a sudden is somebody over here will have something that somebody over here knows about. They won't know about it, but they'll begin to hear that everybody else is hearing about it along the way. And all of a sudden, the whole body becomes full of mistrust and scepticism. And nobody will believe that anybody's got their best interests at heart. It only works if we start going one to each other to sort it all out. Do it with love of the heart, with grace in mind, love at the core, encouragement to the to the fore and then you've got to do it rich with gentleness and as fits the occasion we'll come back to this in a minute but pick your moment to do this kind of thing pick your moment to do this kind of thing as I say we'll come back to that in a minute but this this is in terms of if you like conflict resolution what about normal life how do we speak in normal life Uh, this would be something that we can take away with us today and start using today here are here, here's the way that we do it. Only use speech that builds up, only use speech that's fit for the occasion, and only use speech that's uh, full of grace. How does that work? Here are three things. Edifying words, appropriate words, and purposeful words. Edifying words, appropriate words, 
purposeful words. What do the edifying words mean? Here's, here's what edifying words mean. Not just flattery and politeness and general encouragement, all of which can be good and can have its place. It's always good to speak nice things of people in order that they feel good. Nothing wrong with that per se. But edifying words in terms of the fo- a follower of Jesus or a Christian is more about God's word to you in your life. So why don't you start speaking the word of God on somebody else's life, the promises of God on somebody else's life, the commands of God on somebody else's life, the activity of God on somebody else's life. Many of you know, of course, that my wife Janie is struggling with cancer. I know many in the church are struggling with cancer as well. One of the things that Janie keeps encouraging me to do, because I'm slow to learn and not that quick in in activity sometimes, but she's encouraging me to speak God's plans, purposes, promises over her life. So she wants to hear what the Bible has to say about healing. She's encouraged by that. She wants to hear what the Bible has to say about how you persevere through suffering. She's encouraged by that. She wants to hear words of praise and worship to God, even though she doesn't feel like praise and worshipping in God because she knows that that's a good thing to hear. She wants me to speak edifying words from the word of God into her life. If we all do that one to another, that'll do us a lot of good. Vince Ricketts in the church, who many of you know is not here today, he's brilliant at this. Vince Ricketts speaks the word of God regularly into my life. I regularly get a text from Vince saying, you're a great man of God, reading this today, this applies to you. I read it and think, are you sure? He always says, absolutely. Consistently giving the word of God into my life, even if I don't feel it or, or, or necessarily receive it very well. Other times, people can see the activity of God in your life as well. So people can say, look, I, I can see God doing this in you, dot, 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 and you can't see it, but they can. And how encouraging that is. So speak like that to friends, family, people that we come into contact with. Speak the words of God, the promises of God, the command of God, the activity of God into people's life. That is edifying words. Second, appropriate words. Appropriate words. Words that fit the occasion or are according to the need of the moment. Proverbs 15 verse 23. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season how good it is. A word in season, how good it is. A right word at the right time from the right person in the right context can be very, very good, even if it's a hard word. So how do we do that? Well, we've got to know people. We've got to understand situations. There's no point, for example, speaking to someone who you know has just lost their job, for example, because you've just got a new job and you want to share your good news with them. That's not going to build them up. That's going to make them feel, oh, it's all right for you. You've got a job, but I've just lost mine. Far better to talk about perhaps the time when you had lost your job, when you were hurting, when you thought there was no chance you were ever going to get a job again. So you hold back your good news in order to build up your brother or sister who's just lost their job. It's words that fit the occasion. And for words to work that fit the occasion, we've got to be astute. We've got to be on the ball. We've got to know people. We've got to know what's going on in people's world. We've got to know people's characters. What's the sort of things they like to hear that fits well with their character? And what's the sort of thing that doesn't fit well with their character? Some people like it right up in your face, really blunt. And other people don't. Other people like round the houses for you to talk about stuff that encourages them. But people are different, so you've got to know how different people work in order to say the words that really fit the occasion and build your brother and sister up. Appropriate words. Don't be flippant, but be careful and be considered. And then finally, purposeful words. I've talked about edifying words, but purposeful words are words, if you like, that demonstrate that you know where somebody is at. So they might need 
grace. They might need encouragement. They might need to know that they can carry on the journey that they're on. They might need comfort, saying, oh, man, it's so hard for you. I know it's so hard. They, they might just need to be understood. You say nothing. They might need to know that they're forgiven for something that they're really beating themselves up about. Purposeful words that think about the person that give encouragement and build them up. So you've got edifying words, you've got appropriate words, you've got purposeful words. In conclusion, summary. Challenge number one. It's hard enough as it is, I think, don't speak anything other than the truth. That's what the Bible's saying. God is a God of truth. Jesus was truth, the Spirit is truth. Just speak the truth. Second, truth with each other. Let's be people who speak truth with each other. Good truth, positive truth, building up truth. But if there's difficult truth, let's be talking with one another, not across, across the group. Because it just disarms, disables and causes mistrust. No corrupting talk to come out of our mouth. Anything that's mouldy, decaying, negative, downplaying, disheartening, that drags people down, don't talk like that. Do you talk like that? Sometimes I do. I'm a bit of a doom and gloom merchant. I always see the problems rather than the solutions. Now, that can have its place in terms of seeing something through, as long as you're with people, you can identify it and work with it. But don't just be, be known as the people who go, the whole time, because God doesn't want it. It's decaying, it's corrupting, it's mouldy. Speak words of encouragement with insightful sensitivity. Edifying words, appropriate words, purposeful words. High bar of how we speak. If we speak like this, there is no room for perhaps all the things that you thought I might land on this morning, which is no room for coarse talk, no room for obscenity, no room for just going along with the crowd, no room for lazy words, no room for bad language, no room for that, not because there is no room, but because God says high bar, it needs to look like this. Don't speak like that. Don't be sloppy in your language. Go for God's high standard. If you speak like this, what's it going to do? I'll tell you what it's going to do. It's going to bring delight to God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit through unwholesome talk, but bring delight to him through high bar. Building up, encouraging, supporting fits the occasion. It brings safety and integrity and trust to all of us. If we know we can trust each other to speak the truth in love, that is only going to do one thing, which will cause us to grow closer and closer together as a body of believers. Integrity comes to town. Safety comes to town. Trust comes to town. Love comes to town. If we speak like this, people looking in to the community, the family of believers, who, let's face it, people who aren't in the family of believers often don't speak anything like this at all, will look in and think, there is trust there, there is integrity there, there is a high level of speech there, they're really positive. All they ever do is speak good and positive and love and friendliness. There's a guy on the gate, a guy called Keith, often stops me when I come in. We have a bit of joshing about football. He knows that um, I'm a Man U fan, he's a Villa fan, so I'm winning at the moment. But the point is, he, he's been here since we first arrived at the ground X number of years ago. And he says, the thing about Oasis Church, you're lovely people, they're always so positive. You're always so friendly. You're always building up. He said, I haven't got a problem. I've never had any problem with anybody in the ground, in, in the church that's ever come into the ground. He, and he says this, and I, I, you know, I'm almost, again, doing what I'm not supposed to do. He then says, I wish I could apply that to all the members of Edgbaston Cricket Stadium. But what he's saying, basically, is I see something in you guys that I don't see in any other context. Integrity, joy, hope, 
that kind of thing. So if we're, if we're speaking like that, then surely that's a good thing because other people will notice it and be changed by it. So we're made in the image of God. God speaks. We speak. And whether you are a quiet, 2,000 words a day man or a exuberant and excited and flowing 20,000 words a day woman, let's be careful about what comes out of our mouth. Let's speak in the way God would have us speak in order to give him the glory and in order to bring love into the context of the body of believers. Why don't we stand? I will pray. might want to just shut your eyes for a minute. Just going to give you a couple of things to think about. Just conscious right from the beginning that I want the Holy Spirit to be speaking to you as much as me speaking to you. More than me speaking to you, to be honest. And uh, a couple of things you just might want to think about. It could be for you this morning, or this afternoon now, isn't it? That you just need to hear some edifying words this morning. You need to hear some words from God about his promises, his commands, his purposes, activity in your life. You need to hear something about that this morning or this afternoon. And if that's you, when I finish preaching, just come up the front and we'd love to pray with you. Could be that you need to be restored to someone in this room, that you're carrying something that you know you've been talking about with others and this is the moment to either talk to the person direct or resolve that you will talk to that person direct. Not to me, I'm not interested. It's for you to go to that person. And they may not even know it, to be honest. They might not even know it, that other person, but you know it in your heart because your spirit is all sort of churned up and you're thinking, actually, I'm honest. Something needs to happen here. Or, as a third one, you just might need to admit before God that your speech is more on the decaying end of the scale, the rotten end of the scale, than the holy, pure, building up end of the scale. Three things for you to ponder you might want to get prayer for some of those things. If you do, great. If you don't, I'll leave it with you. But I will now pray, and then we'll close. God, I start as ever with you and a thanksgiving to you that you are a God of truth, that you are a God who always speaks the truth, no lie in you, that you can be trusted, that all your words to us are good, that all your commands to us are good, all your promises to us are good, Lord God. No blemish in you. Thank you for that. Thank you that Jesus was a model of it. And thank you that we have the spirit of truth for those of us that are followers of you living in us in order to be able to live like this. So thank you that you are our role model, God. Thank you that your heart is that we live by the truth because the truth really does do us good. I pray, Father, you'd help us, those of us that are followers of yours, to live up to the high bar of how we're supposed to speak, Lord God, to you, to one another, to people we don't know so well, that we would be models of encouragement with those words that fit the occasion, always giving grace and building others up. Lord, help us if we struggle with words, if we say things that are wrong or a bit flippant or inappropriate. Lord, help us, convict us, Holy Spirit, in the right sense, not that we end up in the depths, but that we keep our eyes fixed on you, knowing that there is forgiveness and restoration available to us. And I pray, Father, if any of those things I've mentioned are things that you want to impress into the hearts of my friends here today, Lord God, that you do it, that you do the work, not me, 
You do it, Holy Spirit. You change us into the likeness that you'd have us be like, which is you, Jesus, so that we can put off that old self and put on the new self and live in the light of your glory. And I pray all that in your son's name. Amen.